Hello, college students, and welcome to the College Solvers Podcast. My name is Luis, and before I get started today, I did want to say that the voice you've heard in the past couple episodes, Francisco, also known as Cisco, is actually not going to be a part of the podcast at the moment anymore. He did actually just find a new job. Congratulations, Cisco. And so that that is uh, keeping him quite busy as well. But there is good news. Joining the team, the College Solvers team, is Houston Pullen. Thank you for joining the team, Houston. How are you doing today? Hey, Luis. Thank you so much. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Happy to be uh, reaching out to college students everywhere to talk about the things that I think they really want to hear. So happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's what we're here for. We're here to, to solve college problems, right? That's why we are the <laughs> college uh, solvers. <laughs> well, in uh, today's episode, we are going to be talking about uh, something that I think any college student that is trying to decide what major to go with has probably faced one point or another. Another issue that you know, some maybe college students have gone through at times, uh, or maybe not, they don't all share the same, but, you know, some have actually gone through it. Well, one of those is having to conform to what your parents or other guardians want you to major in, because it might be a family tradition, or maybe that's just what they want you to be, even if they're not in that career field. That is going to be one part of our conversation today. And the other part of the conversation is Something that I'm sure you, Houston, I can relate to this one too, deciding what major to go with and thinking, am I going to regret it later when I graduate? Yeah. That's something that a lot of college students definitely go through, but we're here to tell you, zero regrets. Just get that degree. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about here, (laughs) so this should be very interesting. So before we get started uh, today, Houston, uh, I actually invited a special guest that actually has a lot of information on these two topics. So joining us today in the College Solvers, it's actually our first ever guest here on the show, um, is uh, Lindsay Bird. She's currently an education policy fellow for Teach Plus. She's a part-time lecturer at CSU Stanlaw's and Brandman in their teacher credential program. And she was actually flown to Washington, D.C. to consult former Secretary of Education John King on refugee education. Thank you for joining us today, Lindsay. How are you doing? Oh, thank you for having me. I'm doing wonderful. Glad to hear that. So as we said earlier, too, so we're going to divide this episode into two. But first, I wanted to get started with the first side of the topic and where we're going to be talking about why you probably shouldn't listen to what others tell you to major in and you should probably make your own decision follow your own dreams and i know you have a lot of experience with that uh different students that have come to you and that situation right oh yeah especially um when i was in the the classroom um the last decade of my teaching career uh all my students were brand new to the country so um no matter what country or culture the the families came from the common theme you know i heard from the parents as you know we came them we came for them we came for opportunity and sometimes it was 
like an open-ended opportunity, choose your own destiny. But what I also found was very often they had a set idea of what they wanted their uh, their child to become in terms of career path and um, higher education. And um, sometimes over the course of either the student being in my high school classroom or when I would keep in touch with them when they were in higher education, there became um, a little bit of a conflict between what the parents had hoped that their uh, child would become and um, what my former students were uh, experiencing as they were kind of discovering all the possibilities out there. So I facilitated many conversations where my students came to me saying, what do I do? And I didn't have the answer. So a lot of role playing and, you know, here are your options. Let's play this out to the end. And what are you most comfortable with? And in the end, I think that the theme I found throughout all those conversations I had was being, you know, direct and open and honest sooner than later usually helped not only um, bring peace to the students, but also I think probably uh, salvaged relationships uh, going forward. That's great. I, I really, really think that's a, a, an awesome, awesome story. I'm excited to hear more. Yeah, <laughs> I'm particularly kind of uh, curious too. So like the students that, you know, you kind of dealt with, how did they manage to like convince whether it was their parents or another guardian, like, Hey, well, this is kind of my dream and I don't really think I could do what you want me to do. I'm sorry, but I, I can't really do that. Like what, how, how do they approach that situation with them? Depending on the student and, you know, the relationship with the parent and often the culture really determine when that conversation happened. Um, for some of my students, it was just convincing their parents that higher education was a worthy investment in general. You know, sometimes parents didn't understand why wouldn't you go get that paycheck right when you graduate high school, you know? So, um, you know, that that's kind of separate from the parent that has the idea of what they want their child to do. Um, but for a lot of my students, you know, I was just there for support, you know, and encouraging them with talking points um, in terms of, you know, sitting your parents down and explaining how expensive it would be if you invest in a degree and then, you know, you're invested in a career and five, 10 years later, you have to go back to school and start from scratch or really the human cost of, okay, so you don't have, you know, in your life, the ability to go back to school. So you're doing a job that you don't want to do, you know, for your entire life. And, you know, um, reminding my students who were all immigrants, you know, to make sure that it wasn't um, that they were honoring their parents in the conversations and saying, you know, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And, you know, and, and really in honoring the sacrifices that you've made on my behalf, you know, this is what I really want to do. And so I would say the majority of the conversations ended well. Some, it was just like right away, the parents were just like, oh, yes, whatever you want, we support you. I did have one young man whose parents wanted him to be an engineer. And when he sat them down on the couch and broke it to them that he wanted to be a math teacher, <laughs> they didn't talk to him for a month. <laughs> but um, they came around and, you know, they saw the value in they realized, you know, in, in their country and in their culture, and because they were both engineers, they had put expectations on him that didn't match who he, he wanted to be. And then as they kind of discovered, you know, the value of being uh, not all authentic to yourself and being happy, but, you know, 
like, you know, I, I helped him. We did a little script how he could use his summers off to get, you know, continue taking classes, possibly earn a master's, um, you know, maybe become an expert. And uh, now he's a, got a wonderful career. He's teaching, you know, high school math and in our local community, giving back. Um, and his parents, not only do they they see the value in being a math teacher, but they're super proud of him. So I'm proud of him for, for being true to um, who he wanted to be. He did, you know, it did cost him a semester. It did take a little time and money when he made that switch mid degree, but I think in the long run, he'll definitely um, find the the financial investment and the investment in his, in his happiness. Well worth it. No, I think, I think that's, that's fascinating. And one of the things that I've seen happen quite a bit, and, you know, I'm sure you can attest to this are those students who the parents do put that in their head. They really, you know, instill in them, you're going to do, you're going to do. I've seen that play out when I was even in high school, I had a lot of friends who, you know, were that way. And most of them were from overseas. Their parents were immigrants and whatnot. So they really instilled that. And as a professor, uh, myself, I've seen that happen with some of my students as well, where, you know, they're, they're doing something because that's been kind of instilled in them and encouraged for many years. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes there's no issue, but then there's those hard moments where you have to decide, is this really what I want? And then trying to find that avenue to have that discussion. So I, I I'm just yeah. interested, you know, knowing you know, from your perspective, when you've sat down with a student, what are some of the the key questions or, you know, your method of getting them to come to the realization of what they actually want to do? You know, to be honest, when my, when my former students uh, made this self-discovery along the way, while they were actually in higher education, some of them started at community college, some jumped right into their, to their degree. By the time they were soliciting my advice, they already knew what they wanted. You know, they went into higher education, thinking that they wanted to do what their parents told them to do, just because that's all they'd really explored their entire life. And then something along the way, whether it be a class, you know, or hearing from maybe a friend who had a different major or discovering a career that they didn't know existed um, sparked their interest. And so I have to say that my advice as, you know, their, their mentor and their, their former teacher was more on how to, to facilitate the conversation with their family and less about getting them to decide what to major in. They had already kind of made that leap. Um, but there have been times where um, they've been more generic, like, oh, I know I don't want to be a doctor, but, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about this, this or this. And when that's the case, I always think it's great for them to kind of explore that, um, get the information and figure out what the path that they're going to go on before they they kind of break it to their families, just because um, I think it's an easier conversation to have when they've made up their mind rather than just kind of floundering with, I know that I don't want to do this, but I don't really know what my future is. Um, I, I, I definitely don't pretend to be a subject area expert when students are exploring different career and major um, opportunities. So I love to um, either introduce them to maybe people that I know in the community who could give them some advice to that specific major or career or in- encourage them to find mentors um, on their own uh, to make sure that if they are going to make that change, 
that they pick um, the, 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 the degree, assuming it's offered at that school. Occasionally, it means, you know, switching schools as well as switching degrees, but doing all that research before having the conversation with their family. Yeah, you definitely need uh, mentors, right? As, you know, us three here in the call being uh, first-generation students, I mean, we we didn't really have that guidance, right, from our parents and that, oh, okay, they went to school for this, so maybe I want to do that as a yeah. potential maybe career path. And and it's always one of those things that you do need to find others that have been in that same career field and ask them all the questions, like I always tell people, and make sure that you really get to know what what it is to work in that career field. Oh, I, w- I would have wasted years um, had I not had a mentor. I uh, I don't know why. When I knew I wanted to be a teacher, I thought you got to choose exactly which classes as a high school teacher. I didn't know that you got that, you know, you were in a department and they assign it to you. So I had actually um, applied to major in uh, political science because I thought I want to teach government economics. I'm not realizing that I didn't get to choose my own assignment as a teacher. So luckily a mentor of mine, um, cause you know, my parents again, you know, didn't know better. Um, so a mentor of mine said, Oh no, no, no. You want to do social science, which will give you exposure to all the different potential content areas. A high school history teacher might be assigned because you don't get to choose. And I thought, what? <laughs> so I, I think mentorship while you're in high school and while you're in higher education is invaluable. No, I absolutely 100% agree with you there. Um, From a mentorship standpoint, I think, you know, so often I've seen a lot of students who just, they don't have somebody to look up to. They don't have somebody to ask questions to. And that can be very, very challenging. And I think that's one resource that really should be definitely brought to light and highlighted are those kinds of, um, resources that people that students can turn to in terms of mentorship or just asking the right questions and asking the right questions of the right people right i mean i think that that's a that's something that oftentimes students are scared to do or they don't see the value in doing it right away and not all students but some students so i think that's yeah. a that's an interesting angle no i think you're exactly right in terms of you don't know what you don't know, right? So even if you have the desire uh, to go out and seek information, if you don't know what questions to ask, um, then you, you know you're just kind of stuck. So I think that I know for the two uh, universities that I teach within the uh, credential programs, um, I'm exposed to some of the support systems that they have, and um, especially the, the California State University Stanislaus. Um, that I uh, am an adjunct lecturer for serves a high population of first generation students. And so I'm really excited to see these institutions of higher education investing time and resources into the wraparound support that students need to to make sure that their time on campus is, you know, um, is well spent and and inefficient. Um, But also I know that a lot of the funding formulas, like for example, in the community colleges now are there, there is a financial incentive for them to get their students to complete and complete in a timely manner. And so we're seeing these institutions of higher education adjust for the, to, to integrate, you know, mentorship and um, 
culturally competent mentorship too, especially for students who, you know, are brand new to the country, you know, knowing the nuances of the family dynamics or, you know, the, the cultures I think is key. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) 100% agree. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. Yeah. I think that's really good. I mean, I, I was a product of the community college system too. And I remember uh, starting out, they, I think it may have been a new thing, but they required all students to actually uh, have like a a class that helped you discover what major you wanted to uh, get. And then at the same time, you had to schedule an appointment with the counselor and kind of go over all that. And funny, actually didn't end up majoring in what I thought I was going to be majoring at the time. But I think doing more of those things and not so much just, I think, just the class, but also going above and beyond and also having counselors actually reach out to each student, like actually taking that charge of making sure that for one, they know what they're going to major in and that they've actually mm-hmm. decided or almost committed to actually just having that major so that they don't go through a lot of years without knowing exactly what they want to do or, or whatnot. And, and two, yeah, like you said, making sure that they finish or that at least they help guide them into that transfer path so they can uh, actually transfer uh, earlier than than they would imagine. So it's just a lot yeah. of things that, you know, for better funding would probably help for that. But definitely, I think there needs to be more support for all those students, all those first generation students that aren't really sure, like, what should I major in? Or might like, you know, we keep saying my parents say I should major in this, but I don't really feel like I can actually do that. I know in my example, my mom really wanted me to be a doctor. But it wasn't as maybe as stringent, like maybe other parents might be to where, like you said, maybe they might go a month, even longer without talking. But it's still one of those things where you have to actually realize that this is going to be your career potentially. And you want to make sure that it's something that you actually like doing and not something that you were forced upon and you just graduated with that and and whatnot. Because I've seen a lot of people... uh, be in their career fields and you could right away tell they're not really enjoying themselves. They're just there just to get a paycheck and we we don't want people in those situations. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I was going to say, you know, one of the, one of the challenging aspects of that are, you know, the parent, oftentimes the parents are coming from a good place or they're coming Mm -hmm. from a place of, we want our kids to be, better off than we are or were. So, and sometimes they take that just a bit too far and, you know, and they don't, and a lot of times they don't understand or see how potentially harmful that can be. And, but you gotta, you gotta respect the fact that they care enough about their kids to want them to do something that's going to set them up for success. But at the, on the flip side, you know, speaking as somebody who wanted to be Indiana Jones, wanted to be a doctor, wanted to be a lawyer, wanted to be uh, all these things under the sun, wanted to be an actor, wanted to, like all these things, you know, I, my my parents kept saying, you know, well, you could be whatever you want to be. And it always, you know, I didn't really have a guiding path, but then I started going on my own paths and, you know, I figured it out at some point. But <laughs> I think that for a lot of these students and parents, it it can be harmful to the relationship. But I always, it always warms my heart when I hear the stories where parents 
after that, they realized, well, you can be whatever you want to be as long as you're happy and, you know, where you're, you're taken care of. So that's always, you know, something to think about as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of the times, um, like you said, when you're brought up and you're told you can be whatever you want, that's, that was the case with me, even though my parents, um, didn't go to college. I was, um, fortunate. I'm uh, old enough to where when I came through public schools, they did tracking, you kind of got identified and, um, I was, uh, they, for example, when I was in high school, they had a college prep track and then they had what was called a basic track. So any content area, you know, would go off in two different directions. And yeah, um, the way that students were identified was too often based on, you know, perception, whether it be socioeconomics or, or race. Um, I was lucky to have been identified into the college prep track, which meant that when I graduated, I truly did have all options at my fingertips, like my parents had told me that I did because I had been given the classes needed to qualify uh, to go directly to a university. Luckily, in the school system, um, in the early 2000s, they got away from that tracking, at least here locally. Uh, We were a little behind the times. I think a lot of uh, cities around the country had gotten away from tracking before that. So now we have, um, you know, a whole, a more diverse uh, group of students who really truly do have the world at their fingertips when they graduate. They really can, you know, which is great. That's wonderful. That's, you know, the, the American dream. But the reality is, you know, higher education is time and time and and money. So, um, you know, figuring it out, honoring your truth, respecting your family and being as efficient as possible is just kind of like, you know, juggling all these balls at the same time. And it's a lot at a very formative time in a young person's um, maturity to have. So mentorship and and, and sage advice is, is definitely, I think, a, a, a benefit. Yeah, absolutely. It, I'm sure like it, it really definitely helps out a lot. I mean, I, I could think back uh, again to my community college, I switched majors like three or four times. But, uh, you know, th- thinking back, I remember uh, my second major. So my first one was computer science. And then I just kind of like, switched i was like yeah it's probably not for me and then i shifted over to a double major with uh, film and television sadly my community college uh, they it was uh, back in uh, 2010 when you know the economy was pretty bad and you know especially here in the central valley lindsay too like uh, they ended up cutting up the media and performance center and so that was that but by then i was already out of my film and television major but thinking back, you know, it, it was one of those things that I actually wanted to do that because uh, I consider myself someone who is creative and who really enjoys doing like video editing. Uh, anything that is really design wise uh, is something that, you know, I really particularly enjoy. And so I remember telling uh, friends, family members like, yeah, my major and, it, you know, it was short lasting, but <laughs> is film and television and I would always get asked from people like, wait, like you could actually do that. Or like, wait, like, do you actually think you're going to get into that? (laughs) And I think it it got so engraved in me that I actually decided to like leave it on the Mm -hmm. side and just shift focus because I thought, well, it's true. I'm in the Central Valley. I'm not in Hollywood. There probably isn't that many opportunities out for me. But I think a lot of times you have to take that sacrifice. And maybe if it's something you're really passionate about, you could probably get there. 
and and really not listen to what others are telling you like yeah you should go be a doctor go be something else that you can actually find a job for but yeah it's definitely something that is relatable and you know that's that's how those people got there right is that they probably had to go through societal things right where people were told yeah yeah you really want to work for a movie industry you probably can't work there it's really hard and you know they still ended up actually being able to work there and granted everyone has a different path but you know i think that there is there are definitely opportunities for people if they really put their mind to it right yeah no absolutely you you attended modesto junior college correct see yeah that's yeah, where george that's lucas got George's. started and then he transferred to the usc film school so you know anything is possible but that's <laughs> another thing um you know back to the parents um influence um sometimes on students is they tend to think about what job opportunities are in this town. And obviously there's always a need for healthcare. You know, there's, there's some things that are kind of universal, no matter what town you live in, um, but not really expanding, you know, the mind that, you know, yeah, you could major in film at Modesto junior college, but then transfer and that, that job might not exist where you live right now, but we are a mobile society and you can go other places. I think that um, sometimes that's hard, that that's hard, when you're exploring in your mind what you want to do to think that that might take you another place, especially for moms and, and dads who've envisioned that their children are going to live with them forever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like they, I'm sure they're really looking now and really thinking, right. Like, where are they going to live at? Right? right. Like after they move out and like, are they going to be able to pay rent and all that too? And so, you know, I think that all those things are, are really uh, are really good, I guess. You know, if you're in that situation where your parents are, are worried about that, it, I think it's it's actually a good thing. Um, but you know, I think you know it's it's one of those things where, like, you when you first get started, you don't really know exactly maybe what you want to do. You might have an idea, right? Like, I want to do this, I want to do that. And uh, perfect segue here to our uh, second topic is that you know you sometimes overthink about it, right? And you're already thinking like afterwards and that was my situation too right once you know people would say that I kind of like came out of my dream and I was like wait that's true maybe I'm not going to find a job um, but it's one of those things where people can actually utilize skills they gain from getting this degree and they could probably utilize them in a different career path but people don't really look at things that way right and right. and so what advice would you have for those people that are like struggling so much on like first deciding what major to major in and then second after they pick a major feeling like they might regret it after they graduate which a lot of people are sadly in that situation yeah well you know honestly um the bachelor's degree right now is almost what you know a high school diploma was 50 years ago in terms of it opens the door for a lot of jobs but really um it it's not necessarily that the degree has to match the career. It's just having the bachelor's opens a lot of doors. So the good news is for, for students who might be nervous that they didn't pick the exact, you know, a bachelor's degree, you still have, you know, the opportunity to become an expert and to advance, you know, you're in the field once you discover you're confident in a passion or a career path by getting your master's or your doctorate or other advanced degrees. Um, I know a lot of my friends, I, I graduated um, from Chico State in 1999, and I uh, could not believe how many of my friends got hired in fields that had nothing to do 
with with their degree. I think probably, you know, uh, the, the gut instinct of a recent college graduate, especially if you have loans, is just get the the highest paying job, right? Right, right, right when you graduate. And, you know, some of them over, because I've kept in touch with many of them, some of them have, you know, gravitated back toward, you know, the intent of that four-year degree. And a lot of them didn't. Um, and that's the beauty of higher education is it opens doors. I mean, very, very rarely does it, does it ever, you know, disqualify you um, from an opportunity, but you always have the opportunity to go back to school and really fine tune whatever it is you discover along the way is your expertise and your passion. You know, it's interesting that you uh, bring that up because as I look through and, you know, I talk to my students, I talk, I'm just going through everything that I've been through. So many times people get a degree in one thing and it, does nothing for them. Like that's not the field they go into. I know I have a friend who actually has a chemistry degree that is doing like some kind of arts management program. Like they run an arts business and it's like, wow, but they have like this full on, you know, O-chem, biochem, all this background, but they're doing arts. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. But there are some people who that's that's the path that they choose and they may they, they they may have fallen into something else or like something else but sometimes what i have found is and this is what i tell students the degree is what you want if you're going to go for a degree go for one that's going to get you to where you want to be or go for something that you're really going to enjoy because <laughs> you're right the 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 college bachelor's degree is is seen as what a high school degree was 50 years ago but here's here's the here's the interesting part to that the interesting part is the bachelor's degree it does open the doors but then you get a master's degree and a master's degree is very specialized it's you know there are some that may have a little bit of generality to them an mba an mpa but at the same time it's business it's government it's this but you know that might be great, right? That maybe accounts for what the bachelor's degree was 50 years ago. But then it, this, as soon as you go any higher, you sometimes get very pigeonholed. Like if you go for a doctorate degree, you're all of a sudden overqualified or this, that, or the other. So if you're going to go for those kinds of degrees, you have to know specifically what you want and where you want to be going. I feel like it's more important past the graduate degree than it is, you know, maybe for the graduate degree. I think it's important from the very beginning, but, you know, I think that's the topic that maybe we, you know, we'll get into here. We've already touched on it a little bit just so that way we can uh, kind of see, because this comes back to the whole, what do I do? Which path do I want to go on? How do I make that determination? So I just think that's interesting. Yeah. And well, going back to, I think Luis was hitting on the fact that there's value in the skills that you learn along the way, even if you end up realizing it wasn't the degree for you. And a lot of the the characteristics that employers are looking for, um, or, you know, the characteristics of entrepreneurs that blaze their own path, really aren't degree or content specific when it has to do with, you know, communication, collaboration, you know, empathy, um, things like that. So I, I don't think that um, anyone who ventures into higher education should beat themselves up if they have to change course, because I think that they've, they've learned invaluable uh, life lessons along the way that will go to any career or any future endeavor in terms of another degree for higher ed. Oh, 
Absolutely. And that's just it. I mean, excellent points, right? What you basically what oftentimes employers want to see from your bachelor's degree, did you actually complete it? Mm-hmm. Did you learn? Because a lot of what you're learning is not just the subject matter, but it's the function of being assigned something and getting it done. Yep. And that's the that's the skill set that we're talking about right there, where they want to see, did you follow through? Were you actually able to achieve what you set out to achieve? And really, those are those are the skills necessary in any employment that you seek at, after college, you know really making sure that you're doing your best and being as attentive. I'm not saying, you know, go for like a general studies degree unless you want to go for a general studies degree, but, you know, find something that's of interest or directly applicable to what you know for certain you want to be doing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Not to say sometimes you actually happen to land in what you wanted to be your career, but you actually didn't realize it beforehand. <laughs> So it's kind of funny because when I shifted from film and TV over to my actual major in business, I actually decided to shift just because I knew that I would probably have a better luck finding a job in the Central Valley with a business major because everywhere you look, right, there's a business and you just tend to generalize that. And it's probably the go-to for a lot of people because they they know you you can do a lot with that. But as I actually got to know more about the different aspects of business too, which, you know, I took a lot of different courses, a lot of different courses in different fields and business at community college, but I still wasn't exactly sure what, but once I transferred, then I was forced to pick a concentration. And that's when I really stepped back and I looked at all the different options and that's how I landed in marketing. Cause then I actually uh, took a principles of marketing class. I had a, take another one when I transferred. And so I learned that that was particularly the field that I belonged in because there's a lot of creativity that goes with that. And I felt like I could combine that creativity aspect that I wanted to get with the film major. I can actually use it in this field. And so, you know, that, that was something surprising to me. You know, I I wasn't as aware of marketing or, you know, how, it worked and had no idea that even marketing itself has different uh, departments. There's different things you could specialize in marketing. It's not just like you know everything that has to do with marketing. Of course, we strive to eventually be there, but uh, it, it was so great to actually know that that was the case for that. And so sometimes you actually accidentally end up choosing that career that you were actually meant to choose and you just don't realize it. You know, when I was in the the classroom up until last year, one thing that was really uh, impressed upon us, but kind of hard to grasp as educators and, you know, mentors for students that were entering higher ed is the fact that many of the students who are in higher education right now are preparing for careers that don't even exist in this moment, but they'll event inevitably and eventually be part of. And so that's why I think it's great, you know, to identify, you know, the value of um, not necessarily having, you know, a checklist of this is the career and this is the degree, but like opening, you know, your mind to the possibility, like you said, that two paths could cross and you could, you could take two passions and create a new path or, um, you know, that that the skills that you're gaining along the way are preparing you for something great, even though you don't necessarily have it on your vision board at this moment in time. Totally. 
Yeah, and, and it, it's funny because there, there's a lot that goes to, again, just choosing what you want to do. And so when I chose business, I was, well, or I consider myself that I was a really uh, shy person, really introvert. And even when I chose that, I remember even telling family and friends that I had chosen business. And so number one thing that comes to mind to people is that, well, you don't really talk that much. Like, are you sure? Is that really like the path you want to go with? And that got to me sometimes, you know, sometimes I was taking the classes. I was like, whoa, I am going to have to open up and, and be more expressive because I think possibly only maybe accounting is probably the only field in business that you <laughs> could, but even so you might still have to communicate with other people. And so, you know, I took the chance. And then when I transferred, I kind of forced myself to develop more of those uh, communicative skills, not be as introvert. And so it ended up being that the major itself, I think, helped me overcome that shyness and really be able to talk to other people and just develop all those skills. So sometimes yeah. that happens, right? When you choose a, a major, you develop new skills that you never thought you would even be able to have. <laughs> That's I always encouraged my students if they didn't have, you know, a specific career goal that they needed to necessarily dive into right away to at least explore getting to know themselves through community college, because so often it does open your eyes to um, things that you didn't know existed in terms of career paths, but it lets you discover, you know, like you said, who you are. And along the way, I think that there's like two things that are just invaluable, regardless of what you decide to do for the, you know, your career. And that's, you know, literacy. Um, you know, the, the sad reality is that over 50% of students, at least here in the Central Valley, that graduate from high school aren't reading, writing, doing math at grade level. So if they go into community college, even if they don't have that defined end goal, they're they're continuing um, to build those skills, which leads to, to independence. And it's like the backbone of participation in democracy, right? We want people to be to have the ability to, you know, to engage in a democratic process, to be able to read articles and figure out who to vote for, not based on, you know, the, the Twitter meme, but, you know, actual evidence, like to me, those skills, you know, are just so invaluable. And also the the other thing in term, in addition to literacy that my students gained was, I think it sounds like what you gained and that's confidence, you know, they like, wow, I didn't think I would be in college and here I am and I passed this class or I thought I was shy and then I was forced to do this group project and, uh, you know, every, every little experience like that that a student has where they thought they couldn't do it and then they did it, it just makes them a better person. And so to me, literacy and confidence are the reasons that higher education really help, you know, mold uh, my former students into, you know, the amazing humans they were destined to be. Yeah, there's definitely a big difference. And for all those of you who actually didn't mention it before, but I actually went to the same high school that Lindsay actually taught at too. And and had she known me back then, she actually didn't. But if she would know me, she would really uh, know that I'm really different. So, you know, it's it's possible, I think. And, and I think when you're in college, when you're starting out, uh, even halfway through college too, sometimes for some people, you just don't realize that, right? You feel like, I'm this person, I, it's kind of hard for me to change. And you just feel like you're stuck in that mindset. And I think ultimately, that's also what maybe affects your major choice, because you think of yourself as being someone more reserved, someone who maybe doesn't want to work 
with the team because you just are scared of talking to others. And so a lot of people would choose to maybe go into other careers, like I was saying, like accounting or uh, uh, maybe some like, like a clerk job or some other job that maybe you're just in front of a computer, you're just doing uh, office work and you're just not really communicating with a lot of people. And that's, that's a mistake, right? Because you have that in you and you just probably don't know. And so it's making sure, right, that you discover that and that you actually take that initiative to, to actually change. And, yep. you, you know, I just wanted to piggyback off that because I think one of the um, challenges, the desire, right? There, there's a desire and a, an ambition and really holding yourself accountable to those desires and to what needs to happen and what needs to be done. So I think that everything you just said is 100% true. And really, I think that, you know, from, from your, from, and this might be a discussion, you know, that we could branch off on, you know, when we're talking about the desire, but we're also talking about accountability, right? I think that sometimes what I have seen is people have a hard time keeping themselves accountable and they turn to others, maybe like a mentor for accountability checks. Have, have you experienced that at all, Lindsay, in, in what you've uh, seen throughout the years? Yeah. And I think that's the, sometimes the greatest transition from high school to higher ed is the fact that you're used to the counselor calling you in if you get bad grades or your teacher calling your parent and the parent taking, you know, something away as there was that, that, that accountability that in higher ed, you know, a lot of students do flounder when they are their own, uh, you know, accountability check. And I've heard it going a couple different directions. I've had a few students who did miserably their first semester just because they didn't have all those guardrails on that they had before and lived and learned from it. And it really got to them because they knew they were better than that. And then they did amazing after that. And then I know for a lot of students, it can be really demoralizing um, which is why I think um, colleges are trying to build better supports because, you know, did that student not succeed because they're not academically capable or was it just too much adjustment of how it was as a high school student where everyone was checking up and checking in on me to me being on my own? And if you have those, you know, higher those uh, accountabilities uh in in a modified way, you know, it's not going to be like high school directly, but if there are those built-in supports, then, you know, it's really, you know, at the end of the semester, those grades are a measure of effort and growth and um, academic ability, and not just the fact that students are transitioning um, from two different realities in terms of um, the external uh, expectations and accountability. Yeah, no, I I just think that you know, and you're right, the transition, right? You, if you're not keeping track of yourself, if you're not keeping track of your grades, if you're not doing those things, no one, no one else is going to really do it for you. I, I mean, I'll speak just from my, my background, you know, this semester alone, I have over 120 students and I do my best when I, if I see something, I'll, I'll do my best to let a student know, but I know a lot of stu- a lot of professors don't, and they won't, because you know when you have a large number of students, that's not that your your purpose there is to teach them, 
Their purpose is to do what they need to do to ensure that they're being successful. We'll give them tools. We'll give them guidance. But you can lead, you know, you can lead the students to the classroom, but, you know, it's up to them what they do when they're in there. So that's really what, and especially in an e-learning environment with Canvas and all of these things going on now, it makes it even harder for students to do that. Right. Yeah, I think that's um, why, uh, from my experience in, you know, the community and, 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 and being a mentor for my students, so many of the supports aren't necessarily in the classroom. I don't think that they should be on the shoulders of the, the professor or the instructor, per se. It's, you know, other resources that the students can access if they choose to or other opportunities that are introduced to them that are, are separate from, um, you know, just the, the instruction through the student services departments and, and different ways. And then, then you factor in the fact that sometimes when students are entering higher education the first time they're out of their home, you know, they're not going home to answer <laughs> to mom and dad. I know that's what I did. I only went three hours away, but it felt like, you know, this exotic adventure. Um, you know, luckily for me, I'm, you know, really prideful being a first generation college student. So I was going to do my best because I was going to make sure, you know, that I was proven any naysayers wrong. But I think probably a third of the students who lived in the dorms with me um, my freshman year at college didn't come back the second semester or their sophomore year. So there's a lot there's a lot going on um, at that time. And there's a lot of learning and growth, no matter what the outcome. I think that students who have parents who are giving them expectations in some regards, I guess now that our conversation has gone off in this direction are lucky, you know, that they do have that accountability because maybe in the long run, it might not be aligned with the major or the career path they have, but at least they're answering to someone, right? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes it even, and what I'll, what I'll, uh, what I've also seen as kind of a, uh, a really interesting thing are cohort based programs. So like for my doctoral program, it's a cohort. So we're all in a WhatsApp chat uh, together. We're all keeping each other, you know, you know, accountable. We're going, Hey, did you do this? Did you do this? You know, making sure that everybody's, we're not leaving anyone behind, but we're providing support where we need it. And, you know, and it's just, it's awesome to see that. And I think that that kind of environment is good for many people who have that kind of accountability, um, you know, maybe not as accountable. I, I will attest that I know for certain I need accountability sometimes. <laughs> it's just, that's just who I am, especially for gym. If I'm going to go to the gym, I must have accountability by someone else telling me to go. I can't just go mm -hmm. myself. So, you know, but the same thing is, is directly applicable to education, especially college. So, you know, if for anybody out there who's kind of looking at how maybe, you know, if you had a real honest chat with yourself and did some really deep inner looking to see, uh, am I going to actually do this? Looking at maybe cohort-based programs is another great option <clears throat> for that. So just a, just something to throw out there. Yeah. And, and, you know, especially the times that we live in right now too, I've, I've gone through uh, Twitter in the past couple of weeks and I come across a lot of people that you could tell they're struggling, right? They, they go on their Twitter and then they, they, that's just their place to, to vent. And you hear a lot of people really struggling with their classes. Some people saying that they might give up because it's, it's just too much for them, right? With 
everything going on already and then this going on and you know I, I don't know the numbers i'm sure you know we'll find out like next year and and i'm sure they're already like looking at those numbers but there might be a high number of uh college students that maybe just end up dropping right they, they just can't take everything going on right now and uh, as they always say right once you drop the percentage of students that come back is really low and so definitely something like the cohort could actually help but i i think that which i'm not sure they probably are overwhelmed right now as well but college counselors are probably the ones that can actually play more of a role in that and that i think they need to be more responsible for making sure that the students that they have assigned to them are actually successful that should be a part of their uh benchmark right that's how you rate if they're doing good or not if they are setting appointments with them to talk to them especially now virtually they need to be doing that i don't know if they are doing that uh, uh houston could probably tell us more here but you know i think that's something that they need to start doing if it's not being done because it it's really sad to see so many students not have someone right now that can at least you know give them that like motivation right to like continue or or to be there to assist them and tell them like if you need help with this you know here's something that you could refer to here's someone you can call and i, I think we need to see more of that yeah definitely yeah. i um, i'm friends with many people in student supports and they say and when they do reach out and make those calls especially in this uncharted territory they're finding um when they connect with students you know, you you assume they gave up or, you know, so many people are having, you know, to, their kids are at home and they're having to help them with distance learning or, you know, they, they lost their job and their hours have changed. There's a lot of, you know, real um, survival factors that are impacting students and student success right now. Um, and when, you know, the counselors and uh, student support staff are making those calls. It's really heartbreaking. So I hope that we learn lessons from that. What, what this craziness that we're experiencing right now. And we remember that, you know, obviously this is in some ways kind of highlighting some inequities and some stresses that existed even pre-COVID. And when the virus goes away or the vaccination is here, you know, what we've learned about, you know, what students need, the supports they need uh, to be successful, that we we take that information going forward and, and you know, serve our students better so they do complete. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I, I think that that's a very, very good point. Yeah, but, you know, here's hoping that things get better because, you know, I, I think they, they, they need to uh, not go through that too. And, and I think I look back when I was a student too, and I wasn't a big fan of taking online classes either. And as we talk about accountability, so once you take an online class, that even goes <laughs> even more higher than ever before. And a lot of uh, professors. I mean, we, we're fortunate that Houston is here, right? And he's actually one of those uh, college professors that actually does check up on other students. But I have known a lot that they simply, you know, they, they're not there. And, and it's true, you know, they have a load themselves and it's kind of hard for them to keep tabs on each person. And I think the issue is, I think a lot of uh, college professors tend to think that, you know, it's a college student already, they're an adult, they should already have their own accountability. And uh, I do agree partly, but I think on the other side, like you were saying, Lindsay, they don't really know the situations that different students are going through. And we've seen it in the news, right? Like 
especially in this world of Zoom, uh, how some students have something going on or uh, they, if they have to take a test, maybe they have to also help their child with uh, distance <laughs> learning. And some professors aren't being flexible with that. And I think that's, that's starting to become an issue. I feel like I've seen more and more of those things lately. And, you know, I think it's something they need to address, right? Like, Yes, agreed 100%. I hope that this, like, like the perfect blend of accountability, support, and humanity is hopefully what we can, uh, you know, get from this going forward. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of professors need to pay special attention to, because I will tell you, in this time of COVID and whatnot, one of the things that I have seen happen are the students who kind of get very overwhelmed because they have a lot of personal things going on, work things, school things. And with everything happening, I mean, they're, they're getting overrun and they don't have a lot. They don't really have a lot of people or anyone they really can turn to because for whatever, you know, one reason or another, because there's a family crisis. So they can't really turn to their family because their family crisis, there's school crisis. They don't feel like they can turn to anyone there. So they, they kind of feel like they're stuck. And I think that it's important, especially as an educator, to be flexible. And flexibility is one thing that I would, I I strongly recommend to educators out there because it's the only way that you're going to see success with your students. The rigid, you know, way of doing things, I, I see value in both, but I do think that there are times where flexibility is absolutely key. And this is one of them. Yeah, I agree. Great. Well, wanted to thank you, Lindsay, for uh, joining us here today. Uh, we had a really good, interesting conversation. Hopefully, all students found some inspiration because, yeah, as as we know, you know, times are are tough now. But you know, it's all about not giving up and continuing on. And you know, things things will definitely get better soon. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well. We look forward to having you on another time too. Uh, I know we were discussing other topics that are as great as this one as well. So uh, looking forward to that and uh, good luck your first semester at my school as as an adjunct professor there. Uh, I'm really glad that someone from my high school and an awesome teacher like you is actually going to be now at my uh, alma mater. That's that's really oh, amazing. Thank you for the encouragement. Yes, if there's any anything you think I can ever contribute to future conversations, you know, how to connect with me. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, take care, stay safe, and uh, we'll be talking to you sometime. Okay, soon. bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Lindsay. Awesome. Well, Houston, that, that was a really interesting conversation. Uh, you know, I think definitely the talk about a degree and for all those first-year students right now going through this pandemic, it's even more important than ever before, right? For them to make sure they really look at the majors and decide on their own what it is that they want to do. And also know that, you know, if it's not the first major, you might switch your mind just like I did a couple of times and a couple more people have out there. And, you know, it's not the end of the world if you end up in a major that once you're almost going to about to graduate, you feel like that you shouldn't have done that because, you actually do gain really valuable skills from actually just getting a major in general. Yeah, no, and I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. It's it's fascinating to see kind of where we are right now, where we've been, and kind of where we're going because this is necessi- we're necessitating a change 
and how curriculum and higher education works. So as we're doing that in this weird time that's really propelling it, are we ever really going to go back to normal? That's the thing. Like people, their idea of normal is, you know, get up, go to class. There you go. Some people, I mean, online has, be, has become bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. But I can see it, you know, it, it's just going to, it's going to continue to be this trajectory of a new way of doing things. So really, I think that that's, that's something we all need to be cognizant of as educators. And students need to be aware of that. That's why getting ahead of the curve. And I will tell you, you got to learn the basics of technology. You have to, because we're, we're pivoting and we're evolving and our society is becoming more dependent on it. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's one key factor that I think is so critical right now. And that's also one of the most daunting, believe it or not, for students is they don't really know how, how this all works. Like it's very, very challenging for them. So we just have to be prepared to help when we can. Yeah. And again, for all those listening to us, if you are in that same situation where you are getting stressed out over everything going on and you just feel like giving up, please don't. Trust me, it's things are going to get better. And if you do need someone to talk to, if you need advice from someone, reach out to us. Uh, you can find us on social media on Facebook, if you search for the College Solvers, also on Instagram and Twitter at College Solvers. Please send us a message, send us a tweet, anything you want. Let us know. We'll try our best to answer that question. And if we don't know a lot about that, we'll do our best to go find uh, someone who actually knows a lot about your particular question too. So please feel free to use us as a mentor because after all, that's what we're here for. We're here to solve college problems. So that's why we're the college solvers. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for joining us here, Houston. Thank you for joining yeah. the college solvers team. And you yeah. know, we look forward to the upcoming episodes, which we actually have more interviews your way to everyone listening. So please subscribe so you can find out when we post the next episode. So Thank you once again, Houston, for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.